devil attacks us in, in a lot of different ways, and I'm not here to lift him up, uh, but I am here to expose him. I want to expose him. Now, one of the ways the devil comes at us is when you're experiencing temptation. He'll lie to you this way. He'll say to you, there's nobody like you. Nobody's going through what you do. You're unique. You are particularly messed up. You're a case that even God can't fix. And you're not like anybody else. What he tries to do is isolate you and make you feel like there's no hope for your life. Now, let me tell you, you know the devil's lying if he's talking. But he'll tell you this. Uh, you're, you're going through a real thing. Now, here's the deal. You're not unique. The Bible says no temptation has taken you but what is common to man. The Bible says that Satan, or Jesus was tempted in all points like we are, yet he never sinned. We know that Jesus went through 40 days in the wilderness. And I'm going to talk about that today, one last message on these temptations of Jesus. After 40 days of fasting, don't know if he had water or not, but he had no food. The devil assaulted him with three final temptations. We've talked about two of them. I'm going to quickly recap them. But the final one had to do with spiritual pride and trying to get him to act. I want you to remember this word, presumptuously. Tried to get him to take a presumptuous leap of faith. What's the difference between a leap of genuine faith done rightly and a presumptuous leap of faith that gets you in all kinds of trouble? I'm going to show you today. So let's look at Luke 4, verse 9. And here it is. The devil led him. Now here's the middle of the, the, here's the last temptation. The devil led Jesus to Jerusalem, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And it, he said this, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. Everybody say a suicidal temptation. Except... The devil now quotes the Bible. Do you know that he knows the Bible? He knows it enough to twist it. He knows it better than most Christians know it. And that's how we get in so much trouble. Here he comes, the devil quoting the Bible to God in flesh. For it is written, Jesus, he'll command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They'll lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Go ahead, Jesus, leap, because you'll be all right. The devil or the, the angels will hold you up. Nothing will happen to you. It's all good. Jump. Jesus saw right through it. It is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. This is about presumptuous sin. This is about making a presumptuous move. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you today for your word. How we need your word, Lord. We don't live by bread alone. We live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the living God. And this is your word. Bring your word alive to us today. Open it up to us. Feed us. Give us wisdom. Shine your light upon us. Illuminate our souls. And give us a nugget of wisdom that will walk with us and carry us the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Tell your neighbor, better perk up and listen. This is going to be good. You may need it before you get home. <laughs> All right. Now, 
According to Luke's gospel, now you read your Bible, the account of this wilderness temptation is in Matthew and in Luke. There's only a couple of little differences, but it's the, it's the same uh, narrative. It's the same thing. And according to Luke's gospel, this is the third temptation that Jesus has been assaulted with. Now, I want you to remember now, keep in mind, 40 days without food. So he's weak. He's starving. As a matter of fact, he's a human being, so we can safely say he's almost dead. 40 days without food. He's close to dying, starving to death. And that's when the devil decided to attack him. That's when he came at him. And so we see right off the bat, this is the devil's way. The devil is not fair. The devil is not, has no compassion. He has no empathy, no sympathy, no mercy. He could care less what you're going through. Your tears don't bother the devil at all. As a matter of fact, he would rejoice over the tears of a saint. The devil uh, is, is never going to hurt for you and me. The devil is a monster. The devil is a beast. The devil is a cruel spirit being. And he attacks when we're down. He attacks when we're discouraged. He attacks when you're weak. He, he attacks when you're weary. He, he attacks when you're disillusioned. He, he, he attacks when you're at your lowest point. He doesn't do it when you're riding high on a wave of glory. He attacks when you're betrayed. He attacks when people have let you down. He attacks when you've been going too much too long and you're tired. That's when he attacks. When you're hungry, he attacks. He plays on your needs. He plays on your fears. He plays on your weaknesses. He plays on your cravings, your longings. M many of the right needs you have, he plays on it to try to get you to make a wrong move over a right need. Now, we remember that in 1 John 2.16... John said, let me tell you what the world is comprised of, how it runs. He said it runs by, it operates by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are the driving forces of this fallen world. All of the motives that people move on and react to and, and, and uh, seek to satisfy uh, when they're carnal and when they're unsaved, living in the flesh... It, it is all run by the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. What you see, what you hunger for, and the attitude, I don't need God. Pride of life. Pride. Spiritual pride. Personal pride. I'm all that in a bag of chips kind of pride. Ain't I something kind of pride. Because the devil knows if he can get you to walk in pride, you're going to fall. Right? The first sin to stain God's universe was pride, and it came through the devil. The devil was full of pride, and he headed up towards heaven, it says in the Bible, to, literally to overthrow God. That is insane pride. And that's what got him cast to the earth. So his first temptation to Jesus is to appeal to his, his fleshly needs. And Jesus, he said to Jesus, turn these stones into bread. Disabuse your power to meet your own needs. And Jesus said, no way. Even if I die, I will not act outside of the will of God. 
His second temptation was an appeal to the eyes. The Bible says that Satan showed Jesus in a moment's time all the kingdoms of the world. This was a visual thing. He had a vision. A, in, in a moment's time, he had this technicolor vision of all the kingdoms of the world, the glitz and the glamour, the glistening, the glory. And Satan said, it's all yours. All you got to do is bow down and worship me. And Jesus saw right through it and said, you know what? The Father will give me all of that later. I can, I can do delayed gratification. As for worshiping you, thou shalt worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So he saw through that one. In the third temptation, Satan's appealing to his spiritual pride. So here we are, right in line with John. All that is in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, are not from the Father, but of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God abides forever. But all three of those are right there in the temptations of Jesus, and we see the harmony of God's word. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Now he's down to the last temptation before it's all over, and he enters into his ministry. Now just for a little background understanding of where the devil took him, the part of the temple Satan led Jesus to was the stunning southern wing that was constructed by Herod the Great, known as the Royal Portico. And um, it was incredible. It was way high up. It was stories high. So he takes him way up high. How many of you have a fear of heights? You don't like heights. My kind of people. Raise your hand again. Amen. How many of you don't like flying? Oh, we're going out to lunch afterwards. We're going to fellowship. Now, here's the deal. He took him way up. The Jewish historian Josephus calls it the most remarkable building under the sun. This was the the renovated temple that Herod the Great renovated. And it was called one of the wonders of the world. It was one of the architectural wonders of the world. And where the devil led Jesus to was the highest point of God's house. Where God dwelt in those days. If you jump from up there... It was a guaranteed death. You plummeted several stories to your death. Now here's Jesus at the very top. He's at the top. And he's, he's looking out over all that he can see from this height. There he is, several stories high. He's taken to this spot. We don't know by vision or in person. Because remember when Paul went to heaven, Paul said these words. He said, I went to heaven and I saw things I can't even repeat on earth. And he said, whether I went in person or not, I don't know. I just know that I went. We don't know if Jesus was taken in person or if he was taken by vision, but it was just as real either way. And he's way up there. He's looking down. If you've ever looked down from a really high skyscraper, you know you get dizzy and this fear hits you of falling off. He's way up there and there's no guardrail. And Satan says to him, jump. And then he quotes the Bible to the Son of God to jump. I want you to notice the devil. I told you I was going to expose him. Let me expose him. I want you to again notice the, the, the devil has no fear of walking right up to the Son of God and holding a conversation with him. He's brazen. He's arrogant. 
He hadn't changed a bit from the moment he decided to try to overthrow God. The same pride that was in him then is in him now. He approaches Jesus and engages in conversation, quoting the Bible. Jump, Jesus. He'll give his angels charge over you. Nothing will happen to you. It's all good. He literally took him up to throw him down. He has no fear of taking him into the holy city of Jerusalem. He has no qualms taking him to the holiest place in the holy city of Jerusalem. In the holiest place in the holy city of Jerusalem is where he tempted the Son of God in a way that would have taken his life. He's out to stop him before he gets started. And he does the same thing with you and me. When God saves you, gifts you, gives you an anointing, gives you a calling, gives you a purpose, uh, makes you happy in Jesus, makes you contagious for him. You can know that the devil is not far away because he attacks what is holy. He attacks what is good. And he attacks Jesus. He he puffs him up to throw him down. So, So I'm saying that to say, don't think you can't be tempted in church. Can I tell you, the devil goes to church. Yeah, the devil goes to church. Don't look at your neighbor. I'm not talking about your neighbor. But the devil goes to church. The devil goes to church. Do you know this first demon that Jesus cast out of anybody was in a synagogue? The devil had gone to church that day. The devil walks into church all the time. Now, whether he makes it through the service or not depends on whether or not you're an anointed Bible-preaching church. Because if you're an anointed Bible-preaching church, who he walks in through, he, he, he may leave without him. Yeah. So, so the devil approaches Jesus, and he says this amazing thing, this, this brazen thing. He says, just jump, Jesus. Now, here's what he did. He quoted Scripture, and here's what I want you to catch today, church. we got to get this today, because what I'm going to deal with is the way a lot of Christians get into big trouble. I've gotten into this kind of trouble. It's easy to do. I'm going to show you how the devil played it. Because though the devil is a fallen creature, he is not stupid. He's foolish, but he's not stupid. And so look what he did. He he twisted scripture to the Lord of glory in God's house. And Jesus wrote it. He goes to the one who wrote the Bible via the Holy Spirit. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Jesus was God. And, And he quotes Scripture, twisting it to the very one who inspired it. That's brazen. That's arrogant. That's, that's, that's crazy. Amen? Now, I want you to notice that he began all the temptations with an if. With an if. He said, if you are the Son of God. If you are the Son of God. If you are the Son of God. What's with the if thing? That's, devil, that's the devil's MO. That's the way he operates. He wants you to doubt the word of God in your life. Because remember, before the wilderness, Jesus had been to the Jordan River. John had baptized him in water. When he came out of the water, the Bible says, the Spirit of God descended on him in the form of a dove, and, and a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Right there, God the Father attested to the begotten sonship 
of Jesus Christ. And right then and there, the devil said, that's what I'm going to attack. So notice, God gives Jesus this word. You're, the, you're my only begotten son, and I'm very well pleased in you. And just shortly after, he's led into the wilderness, and what does the devil attack? The word of God over his life. He attacks the word of God over his life. He attacks the word of God over Jesus' life, and he attacks the word of God over our life. Have you ever noticed God will give you a word? God will speak to you when God begins to operate in your life. That's sometimes when all hell breaks loose because the devil is attacking the word of God that came to your life. He's not out to make something go bump in the night. He's not out to give you a hard time. He's not out to give you a flat tire. He's after your faith. He wants your faith. And our faith is built upon the word of God. You're here today because of the Word of God. I'm here today because of the Word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You and I are here born again by the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. The Word of God. And when God puts the Word in you and me, that's what Satan goes for. And he wants to stick a big if on it. Great big if on it. If you are the son of God, well, then turn the stones to bread. If you're the son of God, jump from here. So the first thing we learn from Jesus' temptations is a truism. As long as you and I are on this planet, Satan attacks God's word to us. Satan is after God's word. He's after God's word. Uh, He challenges every bit of truth that God gives you and me, and he tries to get us to doubt it or to let go of it, or to give up on it. Are you hearing me today? He gives you a calling, a purpose, a vision, a reason, something that you know you're here on earth for. And that's what the devil's going to come after. If you're having to wait for it, he's going to say, where's God? If God is with you, where's the promise? We get saved. And what does he do? He attacks our salvation. He attacks God's word to us. If you are a real Christian, then why are you still losing your temper? Lusting. Having fear struggles. uh, Doubting certain things. If If you're a Christian, if you are a son or daughter of God, then why this, that, and the other? And he puts an if in front of your, sal- your salvation. He wants us to doubt our salvation, when we're, especially when we're young in the faith and struggling or struggling with some uh, major habit. The devil swoops in to attack the word of God in our life. He attacks the word of God. I'm preaching something today now. I want you to catch this. You know, you, you feel like you're called to do something. And then it seems like the opposite happens. And here comes the devil. If you are called to do this or that, then how come this or that or this or that are not happening? Where is it? And he wants you to either doubt the word or give up on the word or let go of the word. When when the angel came to Mary and said, listen, you're going to have a child and the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. And that which is born in you, conceived in you, is the Holy One of God, Mary. And you know what the Bible says? Mary hid these things in her heart. You know what the word hid? It comes from a Greek word that means to lock in a safe. She hid it. That means she watched over it because she knew the devil was going to come after it. The Word of God to her life. 
the word of God to her life. So she hid it. She locked it in the safe of her heart. She would not let the devil come and sow doubt about this amazing thing God had said was going to happen with her. She hid it. I'm telling you, folks, there are things that you and I have got to lock in the safe of our heart and not let the devil anywhere near it with an if. Are you with me? Come on. Jesus has been gone 2,000 years. Peter predicted that in the last days, scoffers are going to come saying, where is the promise of his coming? Because everything's been going like, the, like it's going right now. It's been going this way forever. He's not coming. Just because we're having to wait, the devil wants to put an if on the possibility of Christ returning at all. And that's why we got to hang on to it. As long as you're in this church, you're going to hear about the return of Christ. Because I'm telling you, he is near, even at the door. But we, you, the, the word, I want you to hear me today, the word is something you got to watch over in your life. Because if God gives you a word, when he gives you a word, and we're all here because of the word, you can know that that's going to be Satan's target. He's coming after it. Now, he quotes to Jesus the word of God. Now, here's where I want to expose him again. Not only is he arrogant, not, not only is he full of pride, but he's also crafty. Now, watch what he did. Here's Jesus this dizzying height, he's looking down. The devil says, look, jump. You know the word. It says he will give his angels to protect you in all you do. All you do. Did you hear that, Jesus? All that you do. They will lift you up in their hands so you will not slip and you won't fall onto a stone. You won't hit bottom, Jesus. Now, let me tell you what he was doing. He does it with you and me. I'm going to give you a nugget now. Please listen. The quote was accurate, but the application was false. The quote was right, word for word, but the application was wrong. Because let me tell you what that psalm that I just read to you is for. It's only God promising divine protection when we're under attack. I'm going to protect you. The arrow that flies by day, uh, the plague that stalks about in darkness, and all of that is in Psalms 91, one of our favorite psalms. Uh, all that psalm is about is God saying, I'm going to protect you uh, when you're, you're under attack. I'm going to protect you if you're walking in my will and you're looking to me and you're calling on me. I'm going to protect you. That's all it's saying. It's, it, here's what it's not saying. It's not saying, I'm giving you an open blank check to go and do whatever you want with this promise, even if it means jumping off a skyscraper. What it's not saying is put God to the test and prove that this is true. That's what it's not saying. So the devil was quoting the truth, but he was giving a false, deadly application. He was giving it a wrong context. He was putting a promise into a wrong context. He was tempting Jesus to literally take a leap of faith from the pinnacle of the temple out of sheer presumption, not from a word from God. Yeah, it was the word of God, but it was not a word for jumping off the temple. Are y'all with me? Track with me now. I'm telling you something today. 
It was an appeal to spiritual pride. Let me show you how. Show us just how much you believe God's word, Jesus. Come on. There's all of Israel down there. There's all the Jewish people down there that you say you came to die for. Uh, go ahead and jump. They'll all see it. They're all going to see you jump. And when, the de- and when the angels hold you up, it's a done deal. They're all going to believe in you. Spiritual pride. So show us just how much you believe God's word, Jesus. Name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. Put another way, show us how great your faith is. Come on, son of God. If you are the son of God, then you've got amazing faith. Jump. Here's another way, look at it. Prove to the world how much God loves you and that you're truly his son by his angelic rescue of you. Jump. The devil says to us, jump into this particular circumstance or situation or context. You've got the word to do it. Jump. But his appeal to Jesus is the same appeal to us. I want you to act presumptuously rather than from the direction of God. Because every Bible verse, folks, has a context, has a timing attached to it. Sometimes we're to act on it immediately. I'll give you a verse that we're to always, you can always act on immediately and never wonder if you miss God. The verse that says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When you call on the name of the Lord, you are going to be, if you're not saved and you call upon the name of Jesus, you are going to be instantly saved. And and you don't have to worry about timing because the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Anytime you act on that verse as a lost person, you are acting in time. It's never too late to get saved and it's never a bad time to get saved. When you need to get saved, you need to get saved and you need to do it while the doing is good. You need to do it now. Now. If you wait, you may not have another chance. So that's, that's always a verse that is for the now. But not all verses are that way. Some verses have a timer attached. We've got to trust God and believe God. Uh, let, me, let me give you an example. Um, Jesus said, there's no doubt about it, in Mark 16, 17, and 18, Jesus said these words. He said, these signs will follow those who believe. How many in here believe? Now, he says, these signs will follow those who believe. Here's what he said in verse 18. They'll pick up snakes, serpents, the Greek word there, poisonous viper. You will pick up a poisonous viper with your hands. And when you drink deadly poison, it will not hurt you at all. Now, now is that Jesus' words? Everybody say yes, amen. Uh, Is it in the red ink in your Bible? Yeah, it's written in the red. Jesus said it. But let me ask you this question. Does that mean that you're to go out and find the nearest rattlesnake and hold on to it? Because the word of God said that you can pick up a snake and it won't hurt you. Is that what it means? No, but the devil tells all kinds of people that we call them the snake handlers. I'm not going to tell you what state the churches are in that do this, but there's churches that do this and he'll get the rattlesnake up in the pulpit and mess around with it. And I've seen these guys get bit and swell up and die. And there are all kinds of ill-advised Christians lying in early graves who acted presumptuously on these passages and put God to the test. Attempting to prove the truth of God's word. They got the music going and he's got the snake up there. I know it's crazy, but it happens, folks, unfortunately, all the time. But it's in the Bible. 
It's a promise. No, here's where the promise is. When you're walking in the will of God, doing the will of God, and the devil attacks you in some certain way and is serpent-like and, and is poisonous-like, your God will not allow it to kill you until it's your time. You will not go. God will keep you. He will protect you. It's a promise of divine protection. But it is not... <clears throat> It is not an invitation for you and I to to just take it and jump presumptuously. We get into trouble when we presume to act on a verse without understanding the intent of the verse. Amen. David the psalmist prayed this way, keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. You ever read that? Psalms 19.13? Keep your servant back from presumptuous, from presuming on God that he's going to do something that he didn't tell you he was going to do or that he promised, but you need to wait for the right timing and the right context for the promise to be valid. If I understand he's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. That doesn't give me a blank check to go out and buy a $100,000 sport car on a Volkswagen budget. Oh, I'm going into the mall. He's my provider, Jehovah Jireh. There goes Dillers. There goes this and there goes that. And you go in with that credit card because he's Jehovah Jireh. He's going to take care of you. And you step out presumption and you find out the bill comes anyway. You need discernment. He didn't say go into terrible debt by assuming based on his word that he will cover you. Y'all are quiet. (laughs) See, the devil will quote a Bible verse to you to help you justify doing something you ought not do. He will. And there you are, you're lonely, and you meet that one. And oh, you click and you connect and it's a fit. Now, not to, you know, don't worry about it. They don't know Jesus because they will. Because I'm so influential and I'm so full of Jesus. I will lead them to Jesus later. But right now, it's such a fit. And doesn't the Bible say every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights? In whom is no variableness nor shadow of change. So this is a good gift and this is a perfect gift. And I like this gift. This has got to be from the Father. And you jump. And 10 years later, you're saying, how do I get out of this? Y'all are so quiet today, you're making me nervous. (laughs) Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Does that mean as soon as I'm saved, I sell everything, get the kids together, the wife together, the family together, and head off to Africa because he said go? No. Yes, it's true what he said, but there's a timing. We need counsel. We need the guidance of God in how to respond to the word. We don't let the devil pull it out of context and get us to do something that's going to bring destruction and catastrophe to us. He wants you to act presumptuously. He wants you to assume certain things just because it's in the Bible. But you need to know how to wisely apply it, everybody. Believe me. What's the intent of it? Is it for now? Or is it subject to God's timing and leading? Amen. Amen. Jesus answered the devil rightly. He said, it's written, don't put the Lord your God to the test. And because Jesus knew the truth of verses and the intent of the verse, 
and how to interpret the verse and the context of the verse, he defeated the devil and he avoided catastrophe. Because if he had jumped, we wouldn't be here. I said we would not be here. Not only did his life depend on him rightly understanding how to interpret promises, but ours as well. Billions of people would go to a devil's hell if he had jumped. I'm so glad he didn't jump. Amen. Amen. Are you glad he didn't jump? Let's stand together, can we? So when I get into my Bible, and folks, you know, I'm a broken record here. If you come here long at all, you're going to know. I'm going to harp all the time on being in that word every day. Because we will not live by bread alone. I live by the word of God. Every, and we are word people, people of faith. We live by faith, not by sight. We, we have based everything on God's word. So you've got to protect it, watch over it, guard it, keep it. Don't let the devil put an if in front of it. And don't let the devil pull it out of context and get you to do something stupid. Amen. How many of you have ever done something presumptuous and you're still stinging from it? Oh, that's most of us. I got the right crowd here today. Amen. Me too. Me too. Oh, yeah, the devil is a master at, at twisting a verse to help you justify something you shouldn't do. So let's lift our hands to the Lord and we're going to have a prayer. I don't know where you are in your life, but I do know this. God hadn't changed and the devil hadn't changed. God gives you and me words. It begins with our salvation. And he he gives us words, promises, great and precious promises, whereby we become partakers of the character of Christ. He gives us promises that we obtain by faith and patience. But those promises can also be pulled out of context and misunderstood and acted presumptuously on. And Lord, we just come to you and pray. Help us to not walk in presumption. Can you lift your hands and say, Lord, I've got decisions facing me. I need wisdom in how to respond, how to act, how to move, where to go how to walk it out. Give me wisdom with your word to rightly interpret it. The wisdom that Jesus had. Now, if you're being tempted today to act presumptuously, to take a leap of faith, it is really a leap of presumption. I want you to give it to the Lord. We're going to sing just a stanza or two. We're going to worship. And I want you to take this time to give it to the Lord. Say, Lord, I've been tempted to take a leap of presumption to get that loan that I don't know that I should get, to enter that relationship I'm not so sure I should enter, to go this way or that way, and I'm not so sure I should. I need to wait on a word from God. I need your wisdom. Lord, help me to not take a leap of presumption, but that it would be only a leap of faith. As we just worship, you pray, you pray it through, and we're just going to take a moment. In Jesus' name. All that I am and all I can be all that I have all that is me 
one more time with me. Let's just say thank you, Lord, for your protection. There is protection and wisdom. And thank you for protecting me from presumptuous sins. In Jesus' name. Amen. God is good. God is good. God is good.